Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, we continue our coverage on this COVID mess and uh, you know what's going on and, and how, how people and companies dealing with it and, and what's next. And one of the things that's on everyone's mind now uh, is, you know, how do we get back to business? You know, the economy is getting totally wrecked with uh, a lot of us working from home and a lot of these shutdowns and things like that. So what are some best practices to get tenants, uh, employees, uh, and customers both uh, safe back in these environments and then also feeling safe. You know, we all have a lot of anxiety about all this. Uh, so please welcome my guest. It's Benjamin Jalen. He is a PhD. He's also a certified safety professional. He's a certified industrial hygienist and he is with Partner Engineering and Science Incorporated. Ben, thanks for joining us, sir. Hi, good to be here. Well, Ben, first of all, you know, as I mentioned in the opening, you know, there's a safety measure that we're all concerned about. There's also some anxiety, you know, if it, if it leads, it bleeds. The media is, uh, you know, has this traumatic music on all the time and, you know, that the world's ending kind of thing. And um, so, you know, we want to be cautious about safety, you know, really just when, as far as going back into buildings and going back into stores and offices, you know, what is the what is the major concern there? What should we think about? I think the major concern is really close interpersonal contact. This virus is mainly spread by close interpersonal contact. You know, we have in hospitals people who are extremely infectious building up a lot of virus in one contained space and infecting others, specifically healthcare workers. What we want to do is avoid that in regular work atmospheres. Um, right now, I think what we need to do is, as an industry, is maintain the minimum qualifications that the CDC have, have released, as well as the EPA and OSHA, and really try to exceed those. Um, if you are going to bring people into your building, whether it be retail or office space, you're going to want to make sure that those people who are occupying it are comfortable. And I think just meeting that minimum standard that the CDC, EPA, and OSHA are putting out there, well, I guess they're guidelines, not standards, but that you, you should exceed those. You should find ways to make people feel comfortable occupying your facility. And that can be done by putting in place things that can mitigate the risk of transmission. You know, once people occupy these buildings, all bets are off. Um, some people are spreading this asymptomatically, so who knows who's spreading it? So really, the close interpersonal contact is what you need to be focusing on. Um, the six feet of social distancing rules, as well as face coverings. Um, they really limit the amount of infectious material that can get into the air and that can be inhaled or have contact with it, you know, your mucosal membranes so that you can be infected. So, you know, really reducing that close interpersonal contact as much as possible can get you to where you can comfortably occupy these buildings. There's no way you can say it's 100% safe because 
people are people. They don't necessarily follow guidance. They don't follow requirements. Um, they can send it, spread it asymptomatically. They're with the issues with unemployment now, people might go to work sick um, and just try to hide it. It's these are a lot of things that we can look to mitigate, but you know, it's really until we have a vaccine, we just have to mitigate the risk. Yeah. And I'm hearing that some of uh, larger employers are setting up testing, COVID testing uh, in their buildings mm-hmm. and, um, and and having that available. Um, let's talk about uh, a typical office environment where maybe it's one of our uh, listeners uh, have a business related to commercial real estate somewhere and they and people want to get we're social animals right we want to get out of our houses and get back to, to work if we can uh, we're all concerned about the, the economy and the, and the poverty and, and, and the death and problems that's going to cause so we do want to get back in the buildings so uh, let's say that you have an office like that should you say all right all my employees need to wear a mask. Um, my guests of my employees, like our clients, if you come, if you decide to come in, we want you wearing a mask. Um, should I require some sort of um, uh, maybe some to fill out something that they're that they haven't uh, exposed themselves to uh, at a high risk level? What what's what what are some ideas? Um, I think providing non-surgical masks is a really good idea. Um, whatever people makes people feel comfortable, you know, gloves, you know, that's a dual edged sword because sometimes you are, you take riskier, you make riskier choices when you're wearing things like gloves and then you don't take your gloves off correctly and you touch your face, you know, that there's, you really have to think this through. You have to also train employees how to use this protective equipment. Um, there's an issue with requiring people to wear quote unquote masks. If they are filtering face pieces, then you are required to follow OSHA guidelines, which includes creating a respiratory protection program and getting everybody medically cleared to wear those filtering face pieces. That's why you really wanna do the, non-sur- the, the non-medical surgical masks that don't require that you're opening yourself up to a lot of liability if you tell people they need to wear n95s Um, okay and since you are in a low risk area when you're looking at these office buildings you don't need an n95 it's 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 uh it's overkill usually unless you're in close proximity with people who are infected and are spreading the virus actively yeah and what about um, testing um, employees' uh, temperature before they come in? Or is anyone doing that? Is there some problems with that? Is there what ways could you do it? So I know that there are certain employers that are doing that. Um, I think Amazon might be doing it, or I've heard of bigger companies doing that. The only issue is is that that's a lagging indicator. Um, people can spread this asymptomatically even during the period where they are actively developing that infection and before the symptoms arrive. So, you know, obviously if someone has a temperature, they shouldn't be showing up to work. Um, and if but, you- But like you said, they, they might anyway, and they want the money, they need the money. Yeah, I mean, but if you are, you know, if you are able to identify those people with fevers um, before they enter the building, 
you could potentially prevent additional spread within your, in your space. Or you can identify the person who is now sick and do contact tracing within your organization and quarantine those people who have had close contact. It's not a non-useful screening tool. It's just you have to know what the limitations are and how to use that data once you get it. Um, again, you know, do you shut down the entire building because one person is symptomatic? You know, that's a hard, that's a hard decision. There's no guidance from the public health authorities on that. And, you know, continuous cleaning and higher frequency cleaning might reduce the require the net, the necessity, the necessity for you to actually shut down your building. Um, as long as you have the right janitorial protocols, you're using the right disinfectants and you're, you're doing it with qualified means and methods, you should be okay. Um, that's not to say that it is impossible that someone will get infected in your building, but you are lowering the risk. And that's really all we can do. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of more of this uh, non-touch uh, things like not uh, doors that open for you automatically, maybe some way to do uh, even the um, elevators, things like that. Um, well, Ben, when we look at uh, places that have been open, uh, take a grocery store or something, for example, you know, I've noticed that uh, uh, the, the couple of grocery stores that I've gone to in the last month, uh, it seems like it's just most recently a couple of weeks that they even put up some plexiglass and started wearing some masks and you know they had lots and lots and lots of people through there before they started doing that and it and and, and much as i can tell none of them really had any problems um and um so i think that's kind of interesting to see and and and, and i feel better i think they're doing it and i'm wondering if some of that's doing it but you know, if they didn't have any problems and and they're in an area that doesn't have a lot of problems. Obviously, this is a different discussion in New York City than it is in the, in the plains of Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, and if you're in an area where there's not a lot of infection and, and, and these kinds of businesses are, have been open and there's been a lot of people through these through these things and they're not getting infected and they're not getting COVID, um, you know, when they start doing that, I guess some of it's, you know, just smart safety, right? And then some of it, I guess, is to kind of make us feel more comfortable, you know, to go in there, right? There's a lot of anxiety around this. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there are ways in which these uh, control measures really are more for mental health reasons mm -hmm. than they are for actual stopping of the spread of the virus. I mean, you know, the plexiglass in front of the, the register, sure, I mean, it, it'll knock down some of it, but a lot of these smaller particulate don't really get knocked down by, by the plexiglass. I mean, you know, you can still get some exposure. Whether that's sufficient exposure to get infected is, is another question that really we don't know. We, we, right now, you know, we have to go to the grocery store. We have to eat. So, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I try to maintain social distancing. I wear a mask so I can protect other people if I'm asymptomatically spreading it. You know, gloves, you know, not necessarily, I, you know, again, gloves will protect you, but, you know, you'll 
touch your you touch the 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 container that you know you're going to bring into your house when you're going to touch without gloves you know i would just suggest hand sanitizer maybe even trying to wash off containers of food minimal ways to reduce your your risk when you do that um the you going to the grocery store is is something where you're not taking a zero risk activity you're not engaging in a zero risk activity but you know again as long as you're socially distanced as long as maybe they're only limiting the amount of people in the store at one time maybe you're you're using hand sanitizer people are wearing masks when inside you're really not you're not subjecting yourself to something where you're likely to get an infection again it's not 100 percent. yeah and but your your risk is mitigated let's think about the anxiety there for a moment i mean you know, if I go to the grocery store uh, tonight, um, I'm going around people that, that work at that grocery store that are around people, constantly different people all day. I mean, they're just, there's a lot around them going on. If I go to my office today, uh, I'm in my office in particular as private offices. And, you know, it's, it's, it seems like a way safer environment to me mentally uh, than going to that grocery store. Am I wrong to think that? I, I think you're in most instances, you're right. Um, if these offices are commercial spaces with commercial HVAC, you're probably diluting the air significantly. You're getting multiple air changes an hour. Um, you, you should be safer in an atmosphere like that. I mean, there's also, you know, social, um, factors that you know you don't want to get your coworkers sick you know it's it's one of those things where they're you're not interacting with anonymous people right 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 and, and i personally think that there's a lower risk in offices i don't want to say safer really i want to say lower risk yeah safe uh, is a hard word to throw out there because what is safe you know, how is it defined? It's not a legally defined term. People want to yeah. know that they're quote unquote safe, but we in the health and safety world, we look at risk. Risk is, is our, our main, our main criteria for assessing, um, worker hazards. Makes, and makes sense. Well, let's talk about uh, a building owner, uh, our facilities, uh, engineer that's to take care of a property, what should they think about as far as uh, touch points uh, quickly? And then what should they think about as far as air, air, for air uh, quality control of the air, HVAC? So um, for the touch points, you know, you really want to train your janitors on the hazards, train them how to use the right um, means and methods and ways to protect themselves. It's really sort of an, an awareness type training. Um, they need to be able to protect themselves. They're, 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 you know, a, I wouldn't call it, they're still a low risk type population, worker population, but they really, you know, they, they're probably pretty concerned as well. So, you know, th there are, there's guidance on the CDC website as well as OSHA website on how these workers are supposed to conduct themselves. Um, for indoor air quality, you need to really look at the 
performance of your HVAC and what it is, what's called for. Um, I know that the design specifications for a lot of HVACs are not usually met um, after it's run for a few times or run for a few months or weeks. What they really need to do is verify that they're getting those air changes and that you're meeting all of those ASHRAE standards for comfort. Because again, you don't, you don't want to put people in a workspace where they're uncomfortable. Um, it reduces productivity and it also makes people just feel like they're not, people don't care about them. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you need to make sure that you're operating normally and you need to make sure that everything is operating within the parameters that are set for them. Um, and should you try to increase the amount of uh, fresh air um, coming through the system if you can? If you can, um, without creating additional problems. So again, you know, the solution to pollution is dilution. If you dilute this virus in, in your uh, workspace, it, usually you cannot get a sufficient dose to create an infection. Um, however, if you introduce more fresh air, you have to condition that. So during these hot, humid summer months, if you're introducing hot, humid air into these spaces, you're going to get condensation. And condensation leads to microbial growth, and you're, you've just created a greater problem. That's why you need a qualified engineer to do your balancing and make sure that this is even possible, that you have the evaporative capacity to introduce more fresh air, and you need hygienists to go in and make sure that people are not being exposed to additional workplace hazards from that um, from that increase in fresh air. Yeah, it sounds like you should increase your testing to make sure these systems are operating properly, and then record that uh, you know historically so that you you have that and, uh, to verify you're doing it. What about humidity levels in the HVAC? There's a, and there's some talk that a higher humidity kind of helps dissipate this. Right. So the um, president pro did um, present some data showing that the virus didn't have uh, the effects of humidity show that they can reduce the concentration of the virus over a shorter period of time in higher humidity situations. Um, and generally, these were outdoors or... Um, well, they, they, some of them had, they had UV light, some of them they didn't. Um, it really is not recommended that you increase the humidity in these indoor spaces, mainly because people will feel uncomfortable, they'll feel stuffy, um, and then you'll also get those microbial growth issues. Um, microbes uh, grow under high humidity, um, and especially high temperature as well. They grow faster. And there are certain antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria that can, can grow under these conditions. And you really want to make sure that you're not introducing more hazards by changing your engineering controls. Um, okay. So, so what is the recommended indoor humidity levels? And uh, does it make sense in this environment to be at the uh, higher levels of humidity in the recommended levels? So... ASHRAE recommends 30 to 60% um, relative humidity in an occupied space. Um, you can go towards that 60, but
but you you might still look at some of the microbial issues because 60% is really borderline for where you're going to foster growth. Um, you know, the temperatures, again, I would focus on comfort. Um, we don't really know about how the virus will react to 30 to 60 degree, 30 to 60 uh, percent relative humidity and say 70 to 75 degrees. We only have the extremes. I think I'm looking at the table now. We're looking at, they looked at 70 to 75 percent at 20 percent humidity and 95 degrees and 80 percent humidity. So we're oh. really looking at the extremes here. That'd be a little um, uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. I, you know, when it's very dry, it makes your eyes like itchy, it dries out your mucosal membranes. It's really not a comfortable way to work in an office for eight hours a day. Okay, let me ask you about sunlight and UVC lights. Uh, is there any uh, benefits in this COVID environment to having more natural sunlight or, or using UVC lighting? So again, to get that UV light inside, you probably would have to open windows. A lot of windows knock down ultraviolet light. Um, that's why you don't get sunburns inside. Um, the, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend opening up windows. Um, a lot, again, a lot of windows are rated to knock down those UV lights. So now on to the, 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 the UVC um, disinfection systems. Um, they use a shorter wavelength than the medical grade ones. The medical grade ones um, can cause eye damage and burns to the skin. And, and from what I understand, they're not generally directed towards any employees. Hopefully they're not. Um, there have been some studies showing that there is little risk to the eye or to the skin from the shorter wavelength, which is, which is 222 nanometers. But there are industry guidelines that say that you cannot expose workers to that wavelength um, for an extended period of time without anticipating some sort of health effect. Um, you know, there's an issue with contact time with UV lights as well. Um, UV light only can deactivate what is touched by that UV light. So there are certain places under desks or in folds of chairs or in porous surfaces that will not be disinfected by this uh, UVC light. And really introducing UVC light into your workplace needs to be something that's well thought through. Um, the use of the UVC in the range that they're looking at with these devices, it actually creates ozone. Ozone is a regulated uh, workplace contaminant. So you might be opening yourself up to more litigation and more liability, whether it's regulatory or civil, if you start using these wide, in a widespread manner. Um, you really need to engage an industrial hygienist to make sure that you are verifying that this is not creating a workplace hazard. Um, that being said, I wouldn't use UVC light, um, mainly because we want to treat uh, a hazard. We don't want to treat a hazard with another hazard. We want to create an environment where we're just reducing hazards. 
So nothing really beats a nice wipe down with an EPA registered disinfectant from the end list. It gets into those creases usually, and it also has the backing of the EPA and uh, governmental requirements for antimicrobial um, viricides. So yes, that I think that that is your best option. Okay. We're talking with Benjamin Jalen. He's a, a PhD. He's a certified safety professional, certified industrial hygienist. We're talking about getting our environment safe to get employees back and, and, and customers back and, and get business going back again. And, um, you know, we've been talking about, you know, a clean environment inside these, these properties. Um, but actually, you know, how, how unsafe are the actual surfaces We've been talking about office, so let's stay there. In an office environment, how, how dangerous are these services uh, for the people who come in the space? So again, I don't like to use the word safe. So what I'm what what I like to use is risk. The transmission of COVID via just surface exposure has not been documented per the CDC. Um, to me, it's a low risk uh, vector. It doesn't mean that there's no virus there. It doesn't mean it doesn't have infectious virus on that surface. It's just the capability of it to infect a, a person is still up for debate. We're still learning more and more about this, this disease and this virus that spreads it. Um, if you wipe it down with even just soap and water, it should deactivate a lot of that virus. It has a, it's an envelope virus that has a lipid layer around it. It uses the, the, the body's cells as a, as a membrane. And once it's exposed to a surfactant like soap, it'll break down that membrane and it'll, it'll basically just destroy the whole, the whole virus. So, you know, just a normal wipe down of those high, high touch surfaces really should knock down a lot of the remaining risk, which is already low. Um, but Cleaning these surfaces will make people more comfortable inside buildings and seeing people clean them will make them more likely to be comfortable. I mean, you know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb. I'm not a mental health professional, but if I saw someone wiping down the doorknobs, wiping down the counters, you know, I think I would be feel pretty comfortable. Oh yeah. I mean, I think we all are. I mean, if, way before this happened, when I see the, the guys at my office building cleaning the, the handles on the front doors, I always, uh, you know, thanked them. I was like, like, great. I'm glad to see you doing that. You know, all my employees and clients coming in and out of here touching this handle. Uh, I was a germaphobe to start with. Uh, and so I was always that way. Um, so it sounds like people are really, uh, more of a challenge to, to pick up the uh, COVID than the surfaces. So, you know, one of the things we see in offices, um, you know, arrows uh, on the floors for, for walking patterns like we're seeing, some of us are seeing in grocery stores, we're seeing people put up glass or plexiglass or something, you know, kind of between the, the workstations. Um, and, you know, you and, and I'm looking to put one in front of my reception area and I was just going to put a straight piece of glass, I guess, like the ones we talked about before you see in the grocery store with, with the mm -hmm. lady. But you know, as you said, I mean, you know, the particles, I guess, could, if she was really going to be protected, we need to put her in a box. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's no zero risk. The, you, you, yeah. the only way to not get COVID is to become the bubble boy, you know, <laughs> and 
you know, that's just not how it is. I mean, we, we live in a, in a complete mixture of environmental contaminants every day that we are, that we do not see and we cannot control. Um, what we can do is mitigate our risk. And that's, again, I know I keep, I keep hammering that away, but you know, small things, it's just these small things that can mitigate your risk in other ways you can just mitigate people's negative feelings about occupying a space again and working, you know, yeah. Yeah, 50% occupancy, you know, having someone, not someone just sitting right next to you on both sides might make you feel better. It might make you feel more comfortable. It's yeah. one of those things that people should consider. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people seem to be real comfortable or, or a lot of people do going to the grocery store. So, uh, you should feel as comfortable going into an office space that that that's clean and you know the people and hopefully uh, you know they're honest people that they're not going to come in with COVID uh, symptoms, right? Well, well, Ben, this has been great information. You know, what would you leave our office, to, our, our audience, to think about? Here it is, April twenty fourth, and I know this is kind of a moving target. You know, what would you leave our office to think about uh, related to getting back into these facilities, getting their employees and patrons back in uh, at this point? I would suggest meeting or exceeding the CDC and OSHA recommendations. Um, whether that be with small things like maybe not using uh, pens or um, maybe, you know, um, sorry, not using pens that are shared between people or um, uh, just, you know, Maybe even just doing contactless payment, not taking cash. I know that's a little bit of a, a touchy subject because some people don't have access to credit. Um, but really, it's it's just looking for ways to show people you're doing something and you're exceeding those guidelines can really get you to a point where people are comfortable occupying your space and getting back to work. Yeah, I like that. And then just communicating that, right, to your employees and your tenants of everything that you're doing. Signage is signage is a great way to really communicate that. You know, here's what we're doing. Here's everything that the CDC recommends. Here's what we're doing extra. You know, here's here's how to properly don and doff or take on and, and take off gloves or take on or put on uh, a uh, a surgical face mask. Here's how long you need to wash your hands. These are all things that if they you recommend and you show employees and show people entering your facilities, it should give them a little bit of comfort and, and as well maybe, as mitigating that risk. And then maybe supply non-medical uh, masks for your employees, yes. right? Non-medical masks. And any resource you think it's good to get those out there right now? Good luck. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I am a big fan of the fabric masks that are being produced. They're, they're fashionable. Um, they probably provide just as much protection to other people as the, the non-medical masks. You can make them. There are CDC uh, guidelines for making your own. Um, the previously manufactured ones, I'm assuming there's going to be a back order and a backlog of, of uh, production. Yeah. Well, I think maybe at our office, we just all wear our Halloween mask from, <laughs> from Halloween. <laughs> if you still have them. 
<laughs> you can imagine going to the office on Monday and everybody's wearing Halloween masks. That would be more scary than the uh, well, COVID mask. The scarier they are, the farther they'll stay away from you. <laughs> there you go. Well, Ben, great information, sir. Thanks for joining us today. All right. All right. If you like more information from Ben, their uh, website is uh, partneresi.com, and they have some great uh, COVID risk management response and things there. And uh, hey, you know, look, let's get business uh, back going. Let's get people uh, uh, locations, offices, stores where they can feel comfortable. Uh, where they are safe and where they feel safe. And uh, as Ben said, I think we need to uh, let people know. I know uh, I'm a germaphobe anyway. And so we have, uh, after our janitorial does their things, every morning uh, our folks go in and, and uh, sanitize all the high touch points, you know, the refrigerators, the, uh, the door handles, the uh, elevator buttons, just everything. And I was not telling my employees and, and agents that because I just was doing it to, for their safety and my safety. But now I think it's a lot more important that we let everyone know, uh, whether employees, patrons, uh, customers, um, tenants, uh, of what we're doing and what these guidelines are and that we're exceeding them. Hey, let's get back to work. Uh, I think with the amount of, of poverty and unemployment and, and loss of health insurance, and just economic disaster, there could be a lot of deaths uh, from, from this, this response. And so let's get people safe. Let's get them feeling comfortable as we can uh, and get back to business. If you have ideas, um, you know, please share them with us. Uh, connect with us on your favorite uh, social media. Thank you for sharing the show, and thank you for being with us. We'll continue this COVID uh, um, coverage with different aspects moving forward. As, as some of you know, we've been doing a show every week for almost 10 years. We're now doing two, three, four, sometimes five shows a week. We're putting the date in the show because things are changing so quickly. Stay informed, stay positive, and uh, stay in touch. Until next show, be sure that you lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.